0: I don't feel great about that. I feel like that's the one place in our life that I wished we would have said sooner, no, we're not gonna do that. But we didn't. You know, in a lot of cases, we just looked at what would be best for us.
1: You're listening to Financial Grown Up with me, certified financial planner Bobby Rebel, author of how to be a financial grown-up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're gonna get there together. I'm gonna bring you one money story from a financial grown up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, grown ups, if you are like me, you love to read, but if we're being honest, it doesn't happen. The time just flies and the intention does not become reality. So do what I do, get the intel you want in a way that matches your schedule. I recently started using the Blinkist app and I love it. It puts the content of books that you wanna read into powerful summaries called blinks, usually just a minute at a time. A whole book can be 15 minutes-ish, just like this podcast, right on your favorite device, text or audio, totally fits your lifestyle. I am obsessed. Go to bobbirobelle.com forward slash blinkist for a free trial and to support the show. Let's talk about not just being financial grown-ups ourselves, but how to deal with a concept at a whole different level. When we are the grownups, maybe we're the parents, and the kids are getting older and maybe should be a little more financially independent, except that would actually make our life more difficult. Welcome, everyone, new listeners. Thank you for checking out the podcast. We try to keep it on the shorter side here, but the episodes are meant to be listened to a few at a time, so feel free to check out several If you have the time and please take a screenshot, post it on social media so we can help spread the word, grow the community. It matters a lot. And please, of course, tag me at bobbyrebel one on Instagram, at BobbyRebel on Twitter so that I can thank you and share it as well. Our guest on today's episode is the author of The Wealth Creator's Playbook, John Christensen. Who also hosts the Wealth Confident podcast, on which I was a recent guest? He is also the founder and CEO of Highland Private Wealth Management, a boutique financial life management company. But for our purposes here today, call him dad. Here is John Christensen. Hey, John Christensen, you're a financial grown up. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Hey, thanks, Bobby. I really appreciate you having me on your show.
1: I appreciate your book, Wealth Creators Playbook. I loved reading it. You're also, by the way, the founder and CEO of Highland Private Wealth Management, which is a boutique financial life management company. You've been talking a lot about your book, Wealth Creators. Tell us a little bit about that. We're going to come back to it after your money story, but just give us a taste of what it's about because it's a very unique perspective on money that I haven't really seen before.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, What I really wanted to do was write a book that would give people the ability to go create a truly wealthy life, which was one that was built around meaning and purpose and other concepts of the broader, more holistic sense of your life. And instead of just creating a bigger pile of money.
1: And it's true. And you talk about it in your book how many people that have tremendous wealth are truly not happy at all. But you're happy. Your kids are happy. You know what, John? Here's the thing. Well, a lot of people get happy when they get bottomless coffee. Your kids were really happy because growing up, they had bottomless allowance. Tell us your money story, John.
0: Yeah. Well, we've been successful at launching three kids, which uh, we feel very proud of. But along the way, we made tons of mistakes. And one of those was. We just had a difficult time saying no, and and whether it was providing an allowance For the kids. uh, And then they'd run through that allowance and we'd somehow refill it. But our story really is around providing a car for our kids. We needed the kids to get from our home to their school, which was a private school about 20 minutes away, 25 minutes away. And they were all the kids were in sports. And so at this point, we didn't have time to have the kids earn enough money to get a car. That would have been nice, but we didn't have that kind of luxury. The
1: car was really for you. So you and your wife, and any caregivers in the mix didn't have to be doing the driving
0: yeah we were exhausted taking the kids around you know we felt like a shuttle bus taking them to all their events and all their stuff and so we we needed that for them. And not only we provide the gas, we provided the insurance and all that. So it was kind of, yes, to take care of us. And in the process, at one particular day, I remember that, that we got the call from our son. He said, hey, dad, there's a red light on on the dash. And I said, well, what's the red light? And he, you know, it's the engine that's that red thing on the engine is blinking and the car won't start come to find out, you know, they'd run the car to the point where there was no oil had frozen up the engine. And so here I am putting a new engine in the car that was to help them kind of commute back and forth to school. And it was just kind of this constant need for us to keep things moving. And, and we just didn't do a great job of saying no, that there's consequences to that decision that you made not to look at the light when it was, you know, when you needed to refill oil in the car. It really came down to our own comfort as parents, and while we talked about, hey, that wasn't a really smart decision, and hey, that engine's gonna cost a whole bunch of money to replace and to fix, and we, it would've been great if we would've had more conversation about that before this point, Ultimately, at the end of the day, we put another engine in that car. There was multiple cars after that that led to you know, us continuing just to feel like there was this flow of, of capital out the door to kind of support what we needed our kids to be able to do. And so, yeah, I don't feel great about that. I feel like that's the one place in our life that I wished we would have said sooner, no, we're not going to do that. But we didn't. You know, In a lot of cases, we just looked at what would be best for us.
1: What kind of discussions were you having at the time? Or would you have liked to have had, I guess? It sounds like you weren't having discussions.
0: We were having discussions, but they weren't, though. We were at least open about the fact this is really costing mom and I a lot of money. I I do remember saying that. You know, this is expensive. And at the same time, we were also, though, talking about what we valued as a family and things that we were seeing in our kids, which they were committing to Our oldest son was committing to a sport that he loved. Our our middle son was working, and so we were trying to commit you know, help support him in that. And so we felt like we were talking about things like generosity and talking about the opportunities that our kids were able to get that we weren't getting or didn't get as kids ourselves, my wife and I. And so we did have lots of conversations about those kinds of things. So I feel like there was some success in the types of things we talked about in the experiences our kids got to have that ultimately shaped who they became. For example, our daughter was going on mission trips and helping building homes in Mexico. Our son got to go to Uganda and do some service work there. Our oldest son, who was playing baseball, got to go to Puerto Rico and serve some needy people in that area on a baseball trip. And ultimately, at the end of the day, while I feel like we made some mistakes in providing too much in some cases and not having consequence for the cash outflows, I also think those things that the kids got to do and what they were experiencing shaped who they became today.
1: So what is your advice? What is the lesson, I should say, for our listeners?
0: I think it starts with opening up investment accounts for kids and get getting them, and that probably is seed capital from parents. That's money that you, you've got to put in there and help them kind of get a sense of how that works and help them understand what investing does and the power of that and the compounding of that and how that can provide freedoms and choices in their life. And it wasn't that we weren't talking about that. We, we kind of Thought that the kids would be able to, you know, accumulate enough money and savings and allowance that they would do that on their own in our home, and that just didn't occur. So I, I think that would be a place to start. Would be seed some investment account for them, a small amount or some amount that you can talk to them about what companies you're interested in, buy a few shares of, of a few stocks, and I see successful parents talking about that. The other thing I see parents do that we did, and and I have to say we did it differently in this, but is saying, here's what we value as a family. Here's what our family is about and why we spend money on the things we spend money on and articulating that to kids. It's not so much about the dollar amount we're spending. It's almost irrelevant. It's we're spending money on these things because we care so much about them and talking openly about that, I think we gave our kids that gift of being able, almost like an entrepreneur, you can go do whatever you want to do. And they watched uh, their mother and I go do that. All those things are messages. I think it's important to think about if I summing that up, I would say, what are the messages you're sending to your kids? And sometimes that financial literacy is a great head knowledge, but is there a message in that you want to deliver to them? And the message for us was, you can go be whoever you want to be, and we're going to give you the tools and prepare you for that. And then we're going to launch you and we're going to let you go to figure out what that is.
1: Very well said. Let's talk about your everyday money tip because it's very goal oriented as well.
0: Move towards something that is in the direction of risk. And what I found is you don't have to get all the way there. It'd be great if you could, but just take one step towards that because life will pass you by. And I just see lots of people who have money, interestingly enough, and can do anything they want to do, don't do that. And I see people that don't have money. It's the same. We we are somehow wired to stay in our whatever our comfort zone is, our our cocoon. We're kind of wired to stay there. And it takes effort to take that step. And I would just encourage people to take that step. And that's part of what I wrote in my book, which is I want to maximize my return on life.
1: One thing that our listeners ask us a lot is How do you know when you need to switch from sort of the DIY approach to money management, maybe using a robo-advisor, to really working with an investment pro? And then how do you even begin to find one? And that's something that you do cover in the book.
0: Yes, I do. Yeah, it's what I found is, is that you get to a point where you start to realize that both the assets are going up enough that you don't have the time, the inclination, or the knowledge anymore to do it. You're definitely smart enough. I I don't think it's a function of how smart you are. It's just, I'm not giving it the attention it needs, even though I have my best intentions to rebalance my account or to look at a new investment or whatever that is. I just am not getting around to it. And I think there's a point there for everybody where they have to be honest with themselves and just say, look, I, I need some help. And it isn't a sign of weakness. It's, you know, I need help and I'm going to put my time and energy where it's best suited and maybe that's wealth creating and I'm going to bring some people around me to help me manage and do some of the things that that either I don't have the time for or I just am not enjoying.
1: And how do you identify that person? Especially another theme you talk about in the book is the issue of trust.
0: There's lots of people out there, but I do think it's something that I encourage people to take time. Take time interviewing a variety of people. Make sure there's a connection, both in character, but in capability and in experience, because that trusted advisor role is critical.
1: And there is a difference, I should say, another theme in your book that I just want to bring up quickly between wealth creation versus money management. It's not the same thing.
0: It's not the same thing. People confuse that all the time because they'll, they'll create wealth through a business or a concentrated position in a company or an IPO or, an, or whatever, and all of a sudden, they'll get a portfolio of investments and go, I want the same returns as that, and that's just almost silliness. It takes a little bit of conversation with people to go, no, that's not the point of money management. The point of money management is to grow that and diversify it and protect it so it's there to fulfill the things you want in your life.
1: Where can people find out more about you and your book?
0: You can go to com. That's my website. And you can uh, listen to episodes of my own uh, podcast which is called The Wealth Confidant. I
1: forgot to mention that. Yeah and And I've been I've been a guest on it, so check out my episode, everyone.
0: Yeah. She survived that. <laughs> and uh, that was really fun. We really enjoyed that. And uh, so you, please listen to those. And I talked to other wealth creators about turning meaningful wealth and their journey of wealth and turning that into a life of meaning and purpose. Uh, so you can find out there. The book is there. Articles I've written are, are there. So that's the place uh, to find out more about me.
1: So wonderful, John. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, thanks so much for having me, Bobby. It's just been great.
1: Hey everyone, before we get to my take on the interview, I wanna share a personal story. I recently was in a bookstore and I saw this book that I remember loving, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. I read it years ago. I wanted to remember the main points, but the truth is my memory's just not that good. And rereading it, Probably not realistic given my current schedule, but I had a solution because I had recently discovered an app called Blinkist and sure enough, it was on there. So what Blinkist does is it takes books, including the four-hour work week, and it breaks them down into manageable 15-minute-ish summaries so you can get all the knowledge that you need even if you don't have the time. I love the app so much, I reached out to Blinkist to bring them on board as a partner to the podcast. Get a free trial using my link, bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist. And then please let me know how you like it and what books you are listening to. And thank you for using that link to support the show. Again, it's bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist. Here we go. Financial grown-up tip number one. Everyone matures financially at different times, and it's usually okay. John had mixed feelings about supporting his kids, but the truth is, they had the right values. They were doing all the things that they should be. And yes, they should have been more responsible with things like the car maintenance. But they're all now fully functioning financial grown-ups and sometimes it just takes a little more time, and that's okay. Financial grown-up tip number 2. There is proof that when parents give their children money, especially college graduates, to support them and give them a little boost as they're starting out in life. These kids do go on to have greater professional success according to research in a report by Anna Manzoni, Associate Professor of Sociology at North Carolina State University. In other words, giving kids a financial boost, again, assuming you can afford it, is in fact a great way to put them on a path to success. So while by no means should you put your own financial future, for example, your retirement in jeopardy, If you can afford to help your kids while they are doing all the things that they're supposed to be doing, earning money, saving appropriately, and so on, it's a good thing. Life is hard enough. John's kids have the values that he instilled in them, and when they needed to be financially independent, they were able to. That said, this is a controversial topic, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Please DM me on Instagram at bobbyrebel one and on Twitter at BobbyRebel. You can also always email us at hello at financialgrownup.com. Big thanks to the Wealth Creators Playbook author John Christensen for helping us all get one step closer to being financial grown ups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebell is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.